Hi, this is Dahlia Lithwick, host of Slate's legal podcast, Amicus. If you're listening to this show, you might be interested in Amicus's live show that we're hosting in Washington, D.C. on Tuesday, May the 14th. My colleague, Mark Joseph Stern, and I will be talking to some amazing guests, including Sherilyn Eiffel and a sitting state Supreme Court justice all about how originalism, a relatively recently invented way of interpreting the Constitution, has taken over the Supreme Court and radically reshaped the law. It's been doctrinal rocket fuel for the conservative legal movement and facilitated the rolling back of abortion rights, the expansion of gun rights, and the obliteration of the separation of church and state. And as another wildly consequential Supreme Court term careers to its end, the court's originalists are on a tear. But there's something you can do about it. And we hope you'll join us in D.C. on May 14th to explore the possible pathways out of the current situation. Go to slate.com slash amicus live for tickets. This past December, Bloomberg News reporter Caleb Melby found himself watching some TikToks. Unbox my cerebral package with me. Your meds come straight to your door. The process is stress-free and simple. They were from the company Cerebral, an online mental health care startup. The one that I remember the most is the one where a woman literally dances with with a, a, a box of pills. My cerebral package with me. Your meds come straight to your door. The process. Melby and his co-author Polly Mazens watched a lot of cerebral videos. Here are ten natural remedies for anxiety. Some of them were fairly generic mental health affirmations, but others advertised how easily medication for anxiety, depression, and ADHD could come right to your door. The ads were eye-popping, for sure. It made us ask what's going on here, and we decided to start calling around the company. They talked to employees and former employees, a lot of whom were nurses. Some of those early calls, it was like uh, one of those conversations where it's, um, I, I was wondering when I was going to get this call. And uh, that's, that's when we knew that we, we might be onto something interesting. Wow. That's a reporter's dream. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it is. What Caleb and Polly found was a company that promised to fill holes in America's fragile mental health care network, but instead followed the Silicon Valley playbook, moving fast and growing at all costs, and prescribing controlled drugs like Adderall and Xanax over the internet. Today on the show, what happens when the internet and mental health care collide? I'm Lizzie O'Leary, and you're listening to What Next TBD, a show about technology, power, and how the future will be determined. Stick around. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank, USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. 
Cerebral was founded in January of 2020, just months before COVID began to erode millions of Americans' sense of health and well-being. So people feel irritated, um, isolated, distracted, they're procrastinating, they're feeling anxious, they're feeling depressed. Uh, all, all of these things at once, and it's, it's happening at a massive scale. And needless to say, the American health care system as designed is not equipped to deal with that. And at the same time, there was a key legal change around prescribing. What happened? Because people could no longer go to see other uh, prescribers in person in a lot of cases, uh, the Drug Enforcement Administration changed uh, rules in something called uh, the Ryan Hate Act. That was a 2008 law that banned it in most circumstances the prescription of controlled substances in telehealth setting. So now for the first time since 2009, basically, you could now get drugs that are controlled substances, which are, are so named and so regulated because you can get addicted to them or they have other major potential complications. You can now get those prescribed online. And that includes amphetamine drugs like Adderall, drugs like uh, Clonopin and Xanax. Uh, these are drugs that in addition to having important medical uses, are also drugs that are, are popular uh, for recreational use as well. I mean, it, it seems understandable and fair that this was a necessary way for people who needed those meds to access them at the time. Yeah, absolutely. And it's also true that a lot of folks had less access than others even before that rule change, right? So even before Ryan Haight was rolled back, if you were poor or you were uninsured or you were in a geographically remote place, the chances that you had access to the same level of mental health services were not great. And the idea that you could now get these prescribed to you online created access uh, in a way that hadn't existed previously. The ability to prescribe controlled drugs online plus a surging need for mental health care, created an opportunity, one that several companies seized. Startups like Talkspace and BetterHelp, which were founded well before the pandemic, offered online therapy and saw their user bases soar. Cerebral made online therapy available too, but it went a step further. The company offers three tiers of service. One is medication, plus this care counselor who is not necessarily licensed, but they, they're there to talk to you about um, you know, coping mechanisms and, and mindfulness and stuff like that. There's another tier, uh, which is uh, the therapy only tier, and then there's therapy plus medicine, and that's where you're getting a licensed therapist plus medicine. How much does this cost? Well, uh, for your first month, you can start for as little as uh, $30 a month. And after that, it's a monthly subscription between $85 and $325 a month, depending on the, the tier of service you choose. Now, anybody who's familiar with trying to get mental health care in this country, including people who, uh, you know, may be insured, but who uh, have a relationship with a therapist who doesn't take their insurance, you know, those numbers are quite low. And at that price point, you can meet a, a lot of unmet demand. The company you're describing sounds like a lot of startups, frankly, the, the sort of subscriber model 
the different tiers, different ways of bringing people in. Do you think that is an appropriate comparison? Uh, absolutely. Um, and that was a comparison made by people who worked uh, within the company. Um, uh, one thing to keep in mind is that Cerebral is backed by SoftBank. That's the same uh, major venture investor that backed Uber and WeWork. And uh, a lot of folks we spoke with talked specifically about Uber and, and kind of comparisons to Uber, this idea that the people providing the service are kind of doing, doing a, on a, a piecework model. You know, nurses are getting paid per visit. And for patients, it's, it's meant to be this, uh, the same sort of hyper ease that Uber offers that, you, you know, the wait times are going to be lower and it's going to be cheaper and you're going to be able to get the help you need that you're not going to be able to get in the kind of brick and mortar healthcare system near you. And the company's growth is also very similar to a lot of other venture backed uh, startups. I mean, it's. Uh, worth $4.8 billion as of December, and it launched in January 2020. That's a $5 billion company in two years. That's super fast growth. They operate in all 50 states now. They recently announced a partnership with the National Health Service in the UK. Things are moving very, very quickly. Joining me now, Cerebral's new chief impact officer, Simone Biles, also an investor. Cerebral also got a boost from partnering with one of the world's most recognizable advocates for mental health. Simone, thank you so much. Um, you have every right right now to just go live a private life and get out of the public eye. Why are you doing this? Because I want to help other people, and I know everybody's mental health journeys are unique, but if we can walk this road together and that feels more comfortable, then that's what I'm going to do. When she suspended competing back in July of, of last year, it was this kind of like lightning moment, um, focus on, on mental health from such a beloved athlete. And her partnership with the company a couple of months later in October was, uh, you know, she's on the front page of the website. If you go there now, she's featured in ads where she talks about uh, mental health broadly and uh, her anxiety specifically. Certainly, she has become the face of this company at the same time it is growing very, very rapidly. When we come back, growing popularity and growing prescriptions. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Hey everybody, it's Neil I. I've got some huge news. Decoder is moving to Mondays and Thursdays. We're adding a second episode of the show. On Mondays, we'll have our classic interviews with CEOs and other troublemakers. I think we're going to have to start having conversations about how do we pay those jobs that can't be done 
by AI. And on Thursdays, we'll be explaining big topics in the news with Verge reporters, experts, and other friends of the show. There's a new generation of people on the internet. Google search has always sucked for them. So, you know, there's no reason for them to be loyal. They can just go to TikTok. This is going to be really fun. I'm very excited about all this. So go subscribe wherever you get your podcasts now. One thing that Caleb was struck by when reporting this story is just how popular Adderall has become in America and how widespread its use is. In uh, the second quarter of 2021, which is the most recent data we currently have available, the amount of amphetamines prescribed in the U.S., of which Adderall is one, jumped by the highest rate it had since early 2012, uh, roughly the equivalent of 9 million maximum dosage Adderall XR pills, which gives you an asc- it gives you a sense of the market that is available uh, for, for companies to prescribe these medications. Before I came to talk to you, I, I did a little search uh, and Googled get ADHD meds online. My first sponsored ad was for Cerebral. I wonder what that tells you, if anything, about the company. Yeah, ahead of our story, we we searched an even more brazen Google search, uh, which was just buy Adderall. And the, the mm. company's uh, advertising is, is the first thing that comes up as well. But you have a whole bunch of things happening at once. So we are all, as, as we said, at home, trapped. Under those circumstances, when you're feeling distracted, irritated, procrastinating, those are theoretically symptoms of ADHD, but they could also be, as one nurse said uh, in our story, could just be symptoms of being an adult in 2022. So you have this surge of ADHD influencers and mental health influencers on TikTok and on Instagram who are talking about their own diagnoses, and that's creating more conversations and more people are wondering whether or not they might have ADHD as well. I wonder if that changes patient or caregiver experiences at all. Like if someone is coming in and saying, I am here because I want Adderall. Well, so I can tell you from the nurses we spoke to that that does happen. And the nurses we spoke to were deeply troubled by that, as you can imagine. So so like a, a prescribing nurse's job is to, you know, hear your symptoms, ask, ask some probing questions, try to get the bottom of things and try to make the best decision they can with the information they can gather. A lot of them, first of all, told us that 30 minutes to do that, even in back in meat space, back in the physical realm, is quite hard to do. But nurses we spoke with said, you know, patients would get irate. They saw these ads. You can go to the website. And if a patient is paying a subscription and they aren't getting the medication they want, that, that can become quite frustrating for them, right? What am I, mm. if, if they believe they need a medication and they're not getting it, then the question becomes, so what am I paying my subscription for. That seems like a very difficult incentive structure for providers to work with. Like, you are kind of subtly or not so subtly incentivized to prescribe what someone wants. Right. And it gets to this whole idea of a review culture for medicine as well. If I, I'll be Caleb the nurse for a second here, if, if I decide the patient 
shouldn't be getting a prescription, but that patient wants one, they could uh, grow irate, leave a bad review that might come up in conversations with my managers. Some of your reporting is raising in my mind um, ease of prescription access that recalls some aspects of the early years of doctors prescribing a lot of opioids. I wonder if that occurred to you during your reporting or or if it occurred to some of the nurses and providers you talked to. Yeah, it's it's a great question. A lot of the nurses brought this up. And again, these nurses are from all over the country. Some are, you know, in Appalachia and Florida and Massachusetts, places that were hit very hard uh, by the opioid crisis. And uh, these are professionals who are working through the opioid crisis. So it was something on their mind. And it's the sort of thing where you don't want to make the allusion to that lightly because it's incredibly heavy and dark time in in American history. But it was something we heard uh, again and again. The rate of prescribing, the demand for for this particular drug, um, it, it did feel familiar to them. This is a show that focuses on on tech and the future, and I've been thinking a lot about how the telehealth model might make medical interactions feel different. Yeah. I wonder if if it feels more like a service or like you are purchasing a product than the kind of interaction that someone might have at a doctor's office or a therapist's office, and if that changes the expectations of patients going into this process. Yes, absolutely. You can see in the way these companies structure themselves, it looks a lot like a lot of direct-to-consumer companies. I think your point's exactly right. We're moving uh, to kind of a new paradigm. Caleb Melby. Thanks so much for talking with me. Thanks for having me. Caleb Melby is an investigative reporter with Bloomberg. He reported on Cerebral along with Polly Mazens. And that is it for the show today. TBD is produced by Ethan Brooks. We're edited by Tori Bosch. Alicia Montgomery is the executive producer for Slate Podcasts. TBD is part of the larger What Next family. TBD is also part of Future Tense, a partnership of Slate, Arizona State University, and New America. I want to recommend you go back and listen to Thursday's episode of What Next. It's a conversation that lays out the lengths women have to go to to get an abortion if they live in Texas. All right, we will be back next week with more episodes. I'm Lizzie O'Leary. Thanks for listening.